What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Coming up, we'll chat with Hound's rookie sensation, Robbie Mertz. We'll talk about the home opener announcement. We'll give an update on the Mongols jerseys and more. Let's go! Everything was just falling into place. Funky Azio cuts inside. With this run below, it's oh. Robbie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. We got. I got to ask. Did you have a good holiday? Yeah, it was. It was really good, actually. Um, the family, um, the Pittsburgh family, and I went over to uh, Europe for my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. Um, oh. We were over there for about 12 days, and uh, it was a great, great trip to kind of enjoy the off season right before Christmas, and then um, got back in town for the holiday. So it was, it was great. I, I've never been to Europe. What's uh give me the hot spot. What was your favorite part of the trip? Yeah, so we we flew into we flew into Munich. Um we're there. We we bounced around quite a bit. Um that was just kinda how we like the roll. We don't we don't sit around too much. We see the city and then move to the next. So we were in Munich and then um we went to Salzburg, Austria, um then a little town called Hallstatt, Austria, which is up in the Alps. Beautiful little place and then Vienna, and then from Vienna we flew to Paris, and then London uh, to finish it off. So it was, it was twelve days. Got back the twenty third, so um, it was great. You, uh, those all sounded like big soccer cities. You're not looking for a new team, are you, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not over there. I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not on trial or anything. <laughs> I did actually. I did try to catch a few games. Um, I saw yes. one in London. Uh, QPR played Charlton in the championship. Um, in the English Championship, and that was uh, that was a great experience just to see that because I hadn't been to England before. And then I actually tried to see um, Jesse Marsh, who used to coach uh, New York Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at Red Bull Salzburg now, and when we were there, I went to see a game. Saw that it was 5:30, um, which is right when kind of right when we were getting into town. So I took an Uber over to the stadium and uh, got there, and it was an away game. So. Uh, <laughs> I, the stadium was empty. I walked around and then uh, had had it back to the hotel. But um, yeah, it was it, the whole trip was amazing. So it was good to spend some time with family. Awesome. Uh, all right. So, just getting into more interview style questions here. Uh, let's go back to before you signed with the Hounds. You uh, was it uh, 2019 season when you signed, but you were drafted by Colorado first. Um, what was that like, kind of getting the call from Colorado, then going to the Hounds, as far as uh, making that transition? Yeah, so, um, I mean, that was all pretty much exactly 365 days ago for me now. Um, a year ago, I was going through that whole process, and to be honest, it was like some of the craziest um, days and few weeks of my life. Um, it went from the, the college season at Michigan, um, and I kind of finished up there in late November and then went straight into getting ready for the combine. Um, and you know, I, I, I was hopeful that I was going to get taken and, um, I had a pretty decent combine. I was happy with how things went. So, um, when Colorado picked me up, that was, that was a dream come true for me. And, um, I was really happy to head out there. And I actually, my best friend and roommate from Michigan was there with me. Um, so it was like a really good, really good environment and, um, preseason went well and everything. Um, but you know, I think the, the system for college guys, it's, it's difficult. And a lot of guys end up, um, 
you know, even if they get drafted, they might not even get to go to preseason. Or if they do, um, it's hard to make the roster. So, you know, I um, didn't put my best foot forward, but uh, it didn't work out. And um, around the beginning of February, I was um, I was done with Rapids. They let us go. And uh, so at that point, I was just kind of in a position where I was looking for what was next. I, I figured USL was the was the next option. Um, and, you know, the first call I made was actually to Bob because, to Bob Lilly, because I trained with the team the summer prior to my senior year. Um, so I had a little bit of a relationship with, with him and, and also, obviously, the organization I grew up playing in the academy a little bit. So that was kind of a psychological step for me. And um, I actually, I don't think many people know this, but I actually went to Charlotte, um, Charlotte Independence first. Um, so Bob was my first phone call, but I ended up going down there on trial for a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's kind of the other thing about um, how the process works for college guys is you kind of get there late to the, late to the game with the USL teams. So, um, you know, I went down to Charlotte and they kind of had their thing set. Um, and I was there for a couple of weeks. Um, I actually got the, the flu while I was down there. It was like kind of a crazy time. And, uh, There's a sign. and so they There's let a me sign Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, no, and I'll get to that at the end. But like I, you know, it was um, they let me go as well, and you know that was kind of the the low point of the whole process for me. Um, it had been crazy trying to figure out where I was going to go on trial first. Um, again, Pittsburgh, DC, Charlotte, like they were all uh, DC meaning Loudon, like they were all kind of in the in the mix, and I ended up down there. And then um, to get released again, I was like, you know, that was my second time in a few weeks, and it was it was pretty, um, you know, that can be rough. But uh, thankfully, Bob, um, you know, I had a couple of good conversations with him and he said, yeah, come on up um, and, you know, we're going to make you earn it. Um, you know, we're not just going to give you the spot because you're a local kid. Um, you know, so I, I had to go in there and put my best foot forward. And thankfully, things went well. And I had already had a relationship with some of the guys on the team um, prior to just because of the training from the previous summer. So, um, yeah, it, it, it went well. And, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, <laughs> I was it was definitely a blessing in disguise to end up back in Pittsburgh um, after all of it. And that's no disrespect to Charlotte, but um, just with how everything went in year one, um, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. So it was, it was a, an interesting time, but it, I think it worked out for the best. I mean, so you, you really nicely told the story of how you ended up in Pittsburgh, but I mean, so you signed for Pittsburgh and the, the season had already kicked off. We were two to three games deep into the season I mean, that has to be kind of difficult. I mean, what's it like to join a team, you know, A, without getting any preseason, but B, you know, the season's kicked off, the squad, at you know, at some point. We know Bob likes to sign, maybe likes to hold off on signings a little late, so maybe, you know, there were still signings coming in like, like yourself, but, I mean, it, that has to be a, a difficult thing to kind of come into an established dressing room. The season's already kicked off. You don't have any time in preseason. Uh, you know, was that, was that, was that difficult? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, again, you know, the relationships that I had, having been there the prior season, I, it was nice to know what to um, know what to expect a little bit in terms of how training goes, you know, a, a few of the habits of guys and, and how the rhythm, um, the rhythm of it feels, what it feels like. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I got there, I think I got there late February, so they, they hadn't started um, the regular season yet. Um, when I when I started training, um, so I actually had a on trial um, before I did sign, and I think like by the time 
by the time the season did start and by the time I started, in terms of training, I was definitely finding finding a rhythm and everything. And then, you know, from there, it was just a matter of working my way into into getting a little more time and getting into the lineup. And, you know, again, I think Bob was good through the whole process, uh, keeping me keeping me updated um, on kind of where I stood and, and also um, giving me some encouragement uh, just to keep pushing because, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a little bit of a slow start to the season last year, and I think we needed we needed a spark a couple of months in. And, um, so I was just trying to work my way in and do the best for the team, you know, because we needed, we needed points um, by the time it got to April and May. So, um, yeah, I think it was definitely interesting coming in late, but I think – for me, I was I was blessed to have the prior experience with the club and and to be in my hometown because it it gave me a little bit of um, a comfort level um, going in. So, let me ask you this: so <clears throat> we talked to a number of um, players who have tried to make, tra- make the transition from high school to college, and we talk about the difficulty of making that transition, and there's a different mentality and things like that. Obviously, last year was your first full season as a pro. What was that transition like for you, going from college to? pro like what was the most difficult thing that you found and sort of how did you work your way through that yeah uh so i would say you know from a from a training perspective i think um it's not like every coach has a different style but you're not going to notice a massive difference i mean i think um pros they're they're more experienced they go about their business a little differently and obviously um the skill level is, is a bit higher as well but um I think the biggest difference is when you get into your first game and you kind of feel the pace of it. Um, the, you know, the sub rule actually makes a big difference between NCAA and and the USL or any pro league because when you when you're playing college soccer, you're playing two three games a week, but you have pretty much unlimited substitutions if you manage it right. And so you start a game and you can play 30 minutes and come out for the end of the first half and then go back in and you know go 100% again. Whereas, you know, if you're playing, if you're starting a game in the USL, um, you got to be prepared to go 90 minutes and, you know, you may sub out after 70, but, um, you know, it's a long game and there's ebbs and flows to it and you have to learn to kind of work through those. So I think that was kind of the biggest adjustment for me was, you know, there were a few, a few games where I would come off the field after the first half and be, be pretty, pretty tired. Um, and just because of the pace of the game and, you know, you got to pick it up and go another, another 45 minutes. So. I think that was kind of the biggest adjustment for me. And, you know, right now I'm just trying to prepare um, to get my fitness level at a point where I can, I can be used to that for year two. Um, so I think that was kind of the biggest challenge for me, but um, other guys, you know, might find things differently. Um, so. <laughs> so it was kind of like a roller coaster, you know, getting your pro career started where you're going to end up. And then you do end up in Pittsburgh. I'm just curious, like what was the reaction uh, to your family, uh, knowing that you're, you know, they're kind of expecting you to go away and be playing far away and kind of have to leave. But then, you know, you, you actually landing a position on the hounds, being able to play close was probably awesome for them. And also, do you feel more pressure playing in front of family? <laughs> you know, they're, they're there every game pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. I think, um, it, it is interesting, like on social media and, and kind of everyone reaching out um, once I got drafted, you know, everyone expects like it's Colorado, you know, so like I'm moving out there. Um, I'll be out there for a while. Who knows how long. And then when everything, when everything changed, like no one really hears about that. <laughs> um, 
like you just kind of end up going back from Colorado to Pittsburgh, but no one really knows. So um, it's, I mean, except, you know, immediate family and friends. So it was kind of interesting um, from that perspective, uh, just how it worked out. But, you know, I think my, I mean, certainly my parents <laughs> were thrilled that I was coming back um, and, and, you know, grandparents and close friends who were still in the area too. Uh, I think from a playing perspective, I, I don't, I don't feel added pressure um, playing in front of people I'm close to. I think in a lot of ways, I actually, I, I, I felt it helped me. Um, there were, you know, multiple times where playing a game, looking up in the stands and seeing, you know, as many as like 40, 50 people that came to my parents' tailgate out in the parking <laughs> lot, um, you know, cheering me on. And that's a really special thing. So, um, that, you know, a lot of guys that play professionally, like never get to do that to, have people that are that close to just drive 20 minutes down to the game. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't take that for granted, but it's definitely something that um, drives me more than it adds pressure. You know, I think it's just a, it's a level of comfort more than anything. So, um, yeah. So yeah, from a fan perspective, you were a bit of an unknown last year. Um, I know me personally, like when the news came in that you signed, you know, we were excited. It was cool. You know, local player coming to play with sign. But I think at the time, I was like, all right, I, I really wonder how many games um, he's going to get. Um, and it, it was, it obviously took a little bit. But what it felt like, maybe ten to fifteen games in, you get your chance, and you never really looked back from there, and ended up having, at least from our perspective, a really, really good season. Um, how I like, a that's that's kind of a different. I don't want to say difficult. Uh, trajectory um to follow you can tell me that if if that's the case but i mean going from something where there's maybe very little expectation to having you know a a good solid uh, call it a breakout year um and then now going into 2020 what was that like for you where do you go from here how do you improve on on you know on on this season you know do you have any big goals that you're trying to set to to kind of make the next jump uh into your second season here yeah, uh, I mean that's an excellent, <laughs> excellent question and a point that you know I totally understand as well. Because um, to be honest, like that's something that's that's something that I've been used to throughout my career. Um, growing up, you know, one thing about me and anyone who's seen me play or seen me in person knows that, like stature-wise, I'm not the I'm not the biggest guy. Um, I'm not the most athletic guy, and you know, even going into high school at Upper Clair, um, you know. There were, there were, I, I remember there were people who doubted my ability to play at that level, let alone going from um, high school to a big time school like Michigan. Um, so those jumps, um, you know, those were jumps that I've made in the past. And obviously, it, it, you know, going to the pro level brings new challenges, but the feeling of, of kind of having um, people on the outside who are doubting your ability, but also kind of, you know, everyone can have the thoughts within themselves, like, am I capable of doing this? Um, that feeling for me was, was nothing new. Um, and, you know, I was really, I was really excited to land back here because I felt like that was kind of a unique platform. Um, someone who had grown up playing in the area, played for Century, played for Upper Sinclair, um, played for the Riverhounds, someone who, who uh, now was playing for the, the first team at the Riverhounds. That was uh, something that really hasn't been done. I think Stanzo was um, really the only other guy who was a Thomas Jefferson guy who played for the Riverhounds a few years back. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, I, I knew that it was a unique platform. Um, 
but at the same time, I knew there was also a lot of people in within the Pittsburgh soccer community that had probably either never heard of me, or if they had, they weren't really sure that I was um, going to live up to um, this level and to be able to compete. So, you know, that's something that just that drives me. And at the end of the day, it was uh, it was a rookie year that still su- surprised me in some ways. You know, I I wasn't necessarily um, a big goal scorer at Michigan. You know, I thought I had my best year there, my senior year, and I only scored two goals. So to come here and score seven goals in, in my rookie year was a bit of a surprise, um, even to myself. And, uh, you know, for year two, it's just a matter of helping the team in whatever way I can. That was really the, the goal this past year, and it ended up being a few, um, you know, I ended up scoring a few goals as a result of that. But um, I also have other responsibilities as a sentiment, and um, that includes funding and that includes connecting the game and um, whether or not I'm on the score sheet doesn't really matter I just have to make sure I'm performing in other ways so um, yeah I think that's all kind of a long-winded way to say uh, that you know my rookie year I I have to have confidence in myself um, and I knew that I that I had the work ethic for it I just had to go out there and put the performances together and you know I was really thankful for the kind of support that I got from everyone in the community once I did start getting minutes. It was really cool to see that, um, you know, people were excited to have a local kid on the team that was, um, you know, actually participating and contributing to some of the team's success. So um, it was really special, and uh, I'm excited to, you know, hopefully be able to build on it in year two. I mean, look, you talk about your stature, but N'Golo Conte is shorter than you, so, you know, no worries. There's probably a few guys that are shorter than me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, you you mentioned, you know, you're, you're in Michigan. You obviously have your between training sessions right now, which we appreciate you talking to us. How's the preseason been thus far? You know, sort of talk us through, you know, what training has been like, what's your typical day like? Um, you mentioned a bit earlier, you know, that, that one of the, the things that you sort of not necessarily struggled with, but one of the big changes from college to the pro game was being able to go a full 90. And you mentioned how you're, you're trying to get in shape for that. I've always wondered, how do you get in shape to go a full 90? Like, do you do a, like a 180? And like, then you're like, all right, cool. Like I could, I could do twice as much. I could definitely do a 90. Like walk us through what's, what, what, how's, how's training going? Yeah. So for me, um, well, you know, I, I would start off by saying, I think everybody um, every pro who is at a different level or at a different stage in their career has different priorities. So for guys older and, and more experienced, I think they probably, um, they might take it a little more easy in the off season. Um, and then a the guy who's in the middle of his career might hit it really hard. And for me, I actually felt like after the nine, 10 month season that we had, which was very new to me coming out of high school and college where it's like two, three months in the fall and it's just rapid fire. Um, that was an adjustment, and I'd also come kind of straight from my senior year at Michigan into all of that. So it had been, you know, 15 months uh, almost straight of soccer pretty much every day, and, you know, I just kind of needed a little bit of a mental a mental break. So, you know, after the season, after the season ended, I did take some time off, um, you know, a few weeks where I didn't really think about soccer. Um, I didn't think about much of anything um, related to my career, I just wanted to just relax and unwind a little bit, um, following everything. And, um, that was really, that was really nice. And then from there kind of phase two was just staying in touch with fitness, staying in touch with, with the ball and, um, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm ready to go when I do hit the training hard. 
Um, and then phase three, which I would say began, you know, a couple of weeks ago maybe, um, was kind of really starting to get back into back into shape and sharpen up with the ball. And then we'll get started with the with the team in a few weeks here. But um, yeah, I think as far as like the 90 minutes thing, I've tried to mainly. I, I'm doing a lot of the same things that I've done in the past, but you know, maybe when I go for a run instead of doing uh, four or five miles, I'll do six or seven, which might be closer in a game and the pace might not be the same, but at least I'm getting that length in my legs and then, um, you know, supplementing that with all the sharper stuff that you can do with a ball or without a ball. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my plan. And, um, you know, I'm in a good situation up here in Michigan. I'm not actually at school. I'm, I'm close by um, training with a guy named Aaron Bird who puts together just an awesome like an awesome program for some college and pro players. So it's been, uh, I didn't get up. I only got up here a few days ago, but um, it's going to be, I think it'll be really helpful going into the season. Well, okay. So you mentioned, you know, it's a long season. You need some time to unwind. And obviously that's, that's 100% expected, but I guess as a rookie, is that decision sort of put on your shoulders that like, Oh, you need to figure out what you're going to do this off season. You're going to need to figure out how much rest you need to take all of that. Or is that something that like you turn to somebody in the locker room and say, Hey, you know, the season's over. What, what do I do now? Like, how does the, how do you put that together? Yeah, I think, uh, probably every guy approaches it a little bit differently. Um, for me, I'm pretty, you know, after a few, after four summers of getting ready for, um, college soccer, with Michigan, I was pretty, um, I felt pretty confident in my ability to put together a pretty good program for myself. Um, and so I think everybody just approaches it a little bit differently, but rest is huge. You know, um, at the end of the day, it's just as important to be able to go, um, mentally as it is physically, especially when you get into October, November, and you're playing, um, these intense playoff games, like you have to be mentally sharp at that point. Um, or else you're in trouble. So I think last last year we peaked at the right time. We we started slow, and hopefully we'll get off to a little bit better of a start this year. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're playing your best soccer at that time of the year. And um, if you need to take take time mentally just to get ready for that, that might be the most important thing for some guys in the off season. Um, you know, for me, I I think with what I've done so far the last couple months since the season ended, I'm pretty comfortable with where I am. And, um, I'm ready to get back into it. So uh, it's just a matter of, I think it's a matter of, you know, making yourself, making yourself miss it a little bit uh, so that when you do get back, you're, you're excited and you're enthusiastic and ready to go. So. So starting to wrap up with the last couple questions, a bit of a lighthearted one here. Uh, sooner than we know it, new kits are going to be around the corner. People are going to be ordering jerseys, getting them customized Last year you were number 24, but word on the street is that you number 14 might be available, could be yours. <laughs> Are you going to take it? Um, I so I can tell you I I have put in the request for that, um, and I I do think that that's probably going to be the case. Is is I'm there like a formal about. is there like a formal document like you have to submit something to like Bob and like say like form K forty nine or something <laughs> that you have to download so, and print and it's it's really funny you ask that because as of like a week or so ago I probably do as much about that process as you guys did <laughs> um, but I have I have um, you know let the let the guys know um, being my coaches that. Um, that I, that's the number I want for next year. The story behind that is I was I was I wore a number 22 in high school, um, and that was just because I picked it freshman year. And then 
at Michigan, I ended up with 14 my freshman year and did the same thing, just took it all the way through. Um, the the way the number became special for me was that, um, first of all, my, my favorite player like at a young age was Terry Henry, and he played for Arsenal. Um, he's, he's unbelievable, and really, um, even though today you won't see any, you won't see really any Terry Henry in my game, um, I think <laughs> my development at a young age. Um, so that was kind of number one and then as as i after i took it at michigan um my grandmother actually told me that 14 is is her number she was born on march 14th and married on july 14th and she's been married for 58 years now i think so um she said that that's her lucky number and never wants to change so, so certainly as long as i'm close to her in pittsburgh i'll just i'll just uh listen to her on that one and make sure <laughs> i'm making her happy so um you know i'm happy if i can get if i can get that number back for sure yeah, you had people backing you up on that one. I think my wife actually cornered Bob at uh, the Steel Army holiday party and like told him that you won that number. And uh... <laughs> that's, I mean, I I really love the support on that. I wouldn't necessarily expect it, but if, if the other people are helping me out, then that's great. <laughs> yeah, Bob said if he wants it, he can have it. I don't know who was just placating her, but you know, whatever, it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of the Steel Army, um, you know. Fans always like to hear, like, if there's anything special that you, you like or, like, for example, if you're taking a, a, you know, kick in front of the Steel Army, do you want, like, all the noise possible? Do you want it to be quiet? Like, any preference there? Um, well, I think that question might be able to be answered by the um, Birmingham game in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think, um, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to get a crowd like that every game of the year, and that's and that's very fair, but... Um, the noise in that game, I think just we were we were totally locked in on the field, and I think um, a reason for that was just we felt like they were the other team was being bogged down by the atmosphere that you guys were creating, and um, you know it was just that was a really really special night. So yeah, I would say the more noise, the more noise, the better. Um, I think it really gets us going. Um, as far as as far as everything else, I mean, it's really hard for me to focus on the like the individual songs and chants during the game so um you know i think that it's difficult for me to comment on that i will say i went to qpr charleston when i was in london um and they had some we were i was sitting in the stands just really enjoying some of the uh chants they had there so i don't know if i don't know if um anyone's down to make a to create a new one but um you know i don't want to put too much pressure on you guys <laughs> um, but you know it it is really cool to to have an atmosphere, and I think um, I think you guys would agree that it's been growing. Um, and you know, I've always, I was kind of saying throughout the year um, as we as we started winning some games, I think people in Pittsburgh respond to winning and respond to excellence at a at a different rate than people in other cities do. Um, and obviously, I'm biased being from here, but um, I think it's I think it's kind of part of our DNA to to support winning teams like that. So. Um, it was really cool to see things grow and hopefully um, this upcoming season we can just build off that. So, No doubt. Robbie, um, like I mentioned, we know you're in between trainings, so uh, we're going to let you go. But we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, obviously, we can't wait to see what you and the team have in store for everyone this season. Best of luck this off season and heading into the year. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks again for talking to us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm uh, – this has been a good conversation. So anytime you guys want to have me on um, throughout the season or whatever, I'm down. So just let me know.
We're we're gonna hold you to that. You know that, right? <laughs> uh, that's fine by me. Thanks, Robbie. So, guys, great conversation with uh, young Mister Mertz. Um, ah, I, you know, the the whole backstory between you know him going to Colorado and then like coming back and nobody really knowing and like then going to what he said Charlotte. Like, no yeah. idea any of that happened. I mean, it just. It just yeah. sounded like it's straight chaos, and then to step into a team like that and have the impact that he did after that crazy offseason—that's that's nuts. So yeah. whoever uh, gave him the flu in Charlotte or whatever <laughs> food yeah. he ate that made him sick, uh, thank you kindly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please reach out to us. We'll send you something. I don't know. <laughs> Free swag. Free swag. Yeah. <laughs> Free Mongol swag. Um. So yeah, great stuff from Robbie. Uh, thanks to everybody who sent in questions. We tried to work in as many of them as we could. Um. But, uh, yeah, we love talking to players, especially in the offseason. And, you know, hearing Robbie's passion, not just for the team, but for the city and everything, it, it's, it's just great. So um, thanks again for having him on. Guys, some, uh, some season info starting to come out today. Uh, we found out that, for whatever reason, the USL is withholding the entire schedule. <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> and they started releasing uh, just the home openers. But based on that fact it looks like the hounds are going to get a buy in week one which it feels like this is at least the second year in a row that that's happened then they will play in charlotte in week two and then we get loose city at home in week three which is march 21st josh thoughts on the first three i guess first three weeks of the season i have a theory i have a a conspiracy theory that we are not going to get a bye week week one I'm wondering, because remember, on the offseason, USL announced that they had an idea of doing a, like, East versus West type game, uh, the top of the East versus the top of the West. I'm wondering if maybe, actually, I didn't even look. Uh, do, do we know if, uh, who was top of the West this last year? I can't remember now. Phoenix? I just lost Phoenix. it. Phoenix. Yeah, if yeah. Phoenix uh, has a bye on week one as well, because I I had that theory that, that that might be our actually first game of the season. And it might actually happen, like, maybe even, like, the Friday before the, the home open or the Saturday that all the other games are scheduled for. Did that's my think conspiracy of this now? That's uh, no, I, I thought about that, but, uh, like, I don't know. I didn't really look into it. <laughs> We're trying to stretch right now because I can see Michael's looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix, unfortunately, other... is playing Portland on March 7th. So Boo, there goes my theory, yeah. man. Just edit this out. That's <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It's fine. Leave it in. I'm just going to hang my head in shame. But no, other than that, I, I'm not surprised that we're not uh, playing at home for the first couple of weeks. It's cold in Pittsburgh. Like I, I got a feeling that's by design and it's probably for the best. Uh, but the fact that our first game at home is against Louisville is kind of scary, but at the same time could be fun. I mean, at least it's a big game that people are going to show up for. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, especially with the way Bob builds his team and how it comes together at the last minute, uh, I have a feeling we're not going to be at our best for the first couple of games. And is that really when you want to play Louie? Uh, granted, Louie might have the same issues. They might not be at their best either. So it, it could be, you know good or bad depending on how how they're looking at the beginning of the season and uh how fast we're able to get our team together and get gelling together yeah i think louie brought back the majority of their players as they always do so now granted we did the same thing well we did something similar last year and we thought we we're gonna hit the ground running and we just didn't um so who knows who knows what's gonna happen i guess i'm just I, so you guys haven't heard well no maybe you haven't heard this yet but the listeners have heard this put together a new intro song 
because it's 2020 and this is what we do now every year we put together a new intro song so i went back and i was watching a whole bunch of the uh, highlights from last season and i am just like itching to watch this team get back <laughs> on the field so to see us have a buy in week one i don't even expect them to be home like go to tampa i don't care but like to have to sit out week one while everybody else is playing it's just like uh I, I yeah i'm ready for some i'm ready for some footy kev any yeah. any thoughts on the season that we know of i mean yeah I, I think yeah the louisville thing could be tricky just from all the points that josh uh pointed out um but yeah i mean from an attendance point of view yeah if, if you're looking for reasons to show up i mean just fingers crossed that it's decent weather because that's the only thing that kind of keeps scaring it off but like you can you can you can sell this match as a big you know a it's the home opener so already that has some you know pizzazz to it b it's the team that knocked us out of the playoffs um, so like, yeah, that you can build a narrative around this where that, that would get people in, in the stadium and excited. Um, but as far as, yeah, the, the team that we're going to put out there, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, I, yeah, we were just talking about, I mean, you know, Mertz doesn't sign until three games in. So he, you know, like a player like him wouldn't be, so who knows, but, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, to, to see Louisville and, it's an early target that we have to hit. Yeah. Speaking of the team, um, you know, and whether or not we know what we know, no new signings since the last time we talked, but uh, we did have three players that departed um, since the last time we talked. We lost both. If not more, if, right? I don't know. I think there were three big ones that we know of thus far. Yeah. So there was Joe Greenspan right. who went to San Diego, um, which we sort of knew. I think we talked about on the uh, after show because coach sort of made that, um, I shouldn't say he made it clear, but it was mentioned during the Steel Army holiday party that he may not be back. Obviously, Joe um, is going to be greatly missed, but there were other circumstances as to why he went west. He has, uh, I think his girlfriend is in Seattle. So, like, the travel back and forth from Pittsburgh has just been brutal. So he wanted to be close to the West Coast. And, you know, they're building something new there in San Diego. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. Well, I'm excited we don't have to play him. But I'm excited for him that it's a new organization and he gets to sort of put his stamp on it. And so good for him. Um, we just found out today that, you know, his partner in crime, Toby Adewale, won't be back. Um, Toby put out a post on Twitter basically just thanking the city of Pittsburgh, but there's no news yet on where he's landed. So not sure where that's going to end up, hopefully not in the Eastern Conference, or maybe he goes, you know, a step above the MLS or something like that. That'd be great. Um, and then the third one that we fir- that we learned was that uh, Nico Brett has signed with Birmingham, which is not ideal considering we're going to have to play them twice this year. Um, and, you know, I hate to see Nico go. So, Josh, any thoughts on, you know, these three departures? Oh, it's rough. I mean, it's it's not what you want to see. And, you know, it's this is the one of the things about having, you know, Bob being a type of manager who signs everyone later on in the season or in the off season, and kind of like things come together at the last minute because now we're sitting here like, you know, getting worried and feeling the pressure and feeling like this could be bad news. I, I do have faith still that, you know, we're going to build a great team. Uh, we, I mean, he always does. So I don't, I don't like, it's just hard to like, you know, sit here and be like, Oh, we lost that player. Oh, we lost that player. I mean, we still have like DeSantos is still with us. Forbes is still with us, you know, our lucky charm, Mark Forrest. So there, there's a lot of, you know, players that are <laughs> still with us. So that's great. And then we still got Velarde and, you know, 
Mertz, obviously, and Ryan James. So there, there's plenty of people here to, to look forward to seeing coming back. It's just the fact that we are missing some of the key players that we had uh, both in the back and up front is uh, worrying, to say the least. Kev, of those three, who are you most worried about losing? I don't. I, I kind of want to not answer that question. <laughs> you <laughs> had another. That. You had another idea in mind, and I just shot it down. Go ahead, run with your idea, Kev. Well, okay. So, so I, the point I wanted to make was, I think it's it's not unreasonable to say every year you want to try to keep a handful of what you you know core players that you want to build a team around. Um, I, I think there is a danger with keeping players too long. I think um, even at any level, uh, I and, and I don't care if you're experienced utmost professional players with, you know, the perfect manager and the perfect backroom staff and the perfect club. Eventually, if, if, if people kind of stick around too long, things tend to get stale and it's kind of hard to fix um, at that point. So I, I think this general kind of turnover, even of players that are quite good for us, is probably a good thing um but it then it just becomes a question of okay how many of the core players are you going to hold on to who are they going to be and and how you know how do you navigate that and to be honest look i mean like we probably did this at the end of last year but i I would argue some of the most important players were were keeping in forbes and von might have been at the top of my list and then you have players who can maybe fill the gap um, that are like kind of rising stars like Mertz or whatever. So I, I think in a world where it's it's hard to keep a hold of your best players, period. And B, I think it, it can even, if you do it for too long, if, if players hang around for too long, things can get stale and that's not good. So I think this general turnover is fine and we kind of are going to have to stomach this, I think for the better of the club and for the better of the squad. Um, so I, I on, on one hand I'm I'm kind of okay, but it all like we said in the past, it all matters who can we bring in the supplement. Um, if we can, you know, if we can get the signings nailed on uh, for for next year, then you know we we're not going to be having conversations of oh remember when we had Joe or remember when we had Toby. It, you know, if we can hit this right, then then whatever, no problem. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward. Uh, I mean, on one, I I think it's always hard to score. So Nico going is is tough. What he gets fourteen goals last season, something like that. Um, that's going to be hard to supplement. And and you know, let's let's see who we bring in to to, to score goals. Um, Lily's always been really strong in defense. I think the interesting part is with with Joe and Toby now going. Does that mean? Funky Zeal is now a center back. Like, I wonder how he's going to play because now there's no one in his way. Because before it was kind of hard to make the argument of, well, who, are you going to bench Toby and Joe to put in Funky Zeal at, at center back? Eh, not really. Um, so if 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 Lily saw Funky Zeal in the long term as a center back, he has the runway for it now. He can do it. Um, or is he, you know, midfield? So the Funky Zeal question is interesting. But uh, but yeah, I think I think Nico going is is going to be interesting and, and a difficult problem to solve. You mentioning sort of this turnover, do you think that, the, I mean, you, you sort of said you see it everywhere, but do you think that that's more a consequence of the fact that this is the USL championship and it's division two? Like, do you think we would, that that kind of tono- turnover would be a good thing at like the MLS level where you have teams with players that aren't necessarily bouncing around as much or what's your thought process on that? I, I, I honestly do. I think 
there are exceptions that can still pull it off, but they're outliers and they're exceptions. They're, those are clubs and teams that are run extremely well from the top down who have a plan that is independent of a single coach or a single manager or a single you know set of players. And, you know, they have this long plan planned out and they have a group of, you know, a really good dressing room where the personalities mesh. They have a coaching staff that mesh with the personalities of the play of the play. You know, there, there can be scenarios where I think it all comes together. But then even still, I think, you know, if they, even then at six years down the line, it can get stale. So I, I think at the top level, if you pull it off just right, which very few teams do, um, then then turnover then you can kind of say well we don't need players and players out but uh but i think because of how difficult it is to get to that scenario um it's just it, turnover kind of becomes not only a fact of life for the game in in 2020 but a kind of a necessity to to keep the health of the squad and the health of the club you know going in the right way it's just kind of frustrating because you see like Louisville, um, they're a top team and we, you know, we're a top team and you, you kind of want to, you would think you would see similar habits between the two of them. And here's Louisville not like having hardly any turnover. Um, Grant, I mean, they're in a different situation and you know, all Plus, that. Abby, just but... Look at them last season. I mean, they got, no, rid that's of, true. Like, yeah. The beginning of last season, they get rid of their two best players and, and, you know, every, we're all saying, nah, Louisville's done. You know, like, there's no way. And so. <laughs> Yeah, and we got rid of more than two players, and uh, arguably some of our best players. I mean, arguably yeah. not, especially with uh, uh, Forbes coming back. But so it, it just, it's interesting to think, you know, you, you see other teams that are in the top of the East acting a little bit differently or are not having the same high turnover. And, you know, it, it, the fact that Louisville did lose two of their best players last year and everyone was like, oh, they're 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 done for like you know that that's the different mentality that they have or that people have towards them compared to the riverhounds um so it is kind of interesting to see the difference there josh not that kevin and i hate bob lily because we clearly don't but you've definitely been a stronger supporter of his Whoa, tactics okay. <laughs> no, no 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 i'm 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 setting this up i'm setting this up we just that talked to bob saying. we love bob bob's great um but i think that that there were moments last season kev where both you and i were like this isn't working. Like we're not a playoff team. Like something needs to change. And Josh, the whole time you've been like, just give us some more time. Like Bob's got it. Bob's going to figure it out. So like you're, you're, you're the guy in his corner with the towel. Like, I don't remember this like, Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> Josh, at what point, you know, we're, we're what, I guess almost a week into January. So we've still got a little bit of time, but Mertz mentioned, you know, a few weeks of teams to be getting together here. We now know the season's officially going to start like March. So last season, I want to say we had at least four, four to six preseason games at what point are you going to start getting nervous that you know this team isn't signing players or are you just going to be straight through like in bob we trust and we'll figure it out by week 10 or something well that's my secret i'm always nervous (laughs) but (laughs) but i mean honestly it's one of the things where like he knows more than i know about how to do this you know i mean like i can't really be like Hmm, I don't know. Bob doesn't know what he's doing or like, uh, you know, no, he knows what he's doing. He he he's done this multiple times and he's, you know, shown through every single season in USL history. So it's not something that I feel like I have the, the right to really be like 
completely you well, know doubting his ability here yeah and i'm not asking you to be like oh this is the point bob screwed up but like at what yeah. point do you get nervous or what point do you think you will get nervous like if we get to like february and we still haven't signed anybody new are you gonna start getting oh, nervous yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I was hoping for something today. Like, I, yeah. I, you know, knew there was news today, and I was like, oh, maybe we'll also get some player signings. Like, I, I'm nervous right now, and I do think it's, you know, every day, every week that we don't have player signing announcements, I'm more nervous. But that also, you know, reminds me that just because they're not announcing player signing doesn't mean they don't have players that are signed already or at least on the verge of being signed or in tryouts right now or just showing up to preseason practices right now. Um, obviously, they're not in preseason practice right this moment, but I'm saying, like, you know, there could very well be a core team that has already been built up and kind of, like, they already know, but they just haven't told us yet. So it, it's it's not... It's more about, you know, that first preseason game. That's when I kind of feel like, okay, this is where you should have a lot of your ducks in a row. Not all of them necessarily, but, you know, once we start actually playing a preseason, uh, you know, opponent, one of the college teams that we always play, like that's when I'm going to be really concerned if there's not some new announcements. Yeah. I'm really hoping we see a preseason schedule here soon too. Cause I mean, if we know when the season's so. starting, like it'd be great to know like when the preseason starts and, because we've got some plans as well that I was hoping to line up with the preseason, but uh, yeah, we need to pull those together. <sighs> okay, well, I guess we'll just all continue being nervous and keep watching the Twitter sphere and see when there's news about signings. Um, guys, speaking of, I was going to say speaking of being nervous, I'm not really nervous, I'm just antsy. Uh, the Mongols jersey, which originally we were supposed to get before the holidays, turned out that uh, Icarus got swamped and... They, Long story short, they're supposed to be at my door later this week. So as soon as I get them, I will turn them around and get them out to you. Uh, apologies for not getting them out uh, before the holidays. It was completely out of our control. But based on the original timelines, that's what we were expecting. Um, I've been guaranteed that it's going to be worth it from Icarus. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that is that is true. Um, but no, I... Like I said, I, apologies. I know everybody's been itching for it. A lot of people have been asking on Twitter and email and all of that. They are coming. Um, and as soon as I have them, I'll be sure to take a picture and uh, and put it up in Patreon and on Twitter so everybody sees that they're there. And then there'll be a few short days and then they'll arrive at your door. So thanks again to everybody for, for purchasing those and supporting, you know, not really so much us, but uh, CHS. A lot, all that money goes to, to CHS and, and helping them do what they do. And so we really appreciate that. Um. Guys, I guess anything else for this one? I know we're all sort of anxiously awaiting news if there is news or anything else, but yeah, nothing. I'm so ready for the season to start. I, I mean, it, it's oh, – at first I was like, oh, man, it's nice to have an off-season. <laughs> I know. I was the same boat. I was like, oh, it's nice to have an off-season. This is great. I'm glad we have a break now, you know, kind of recoup. But I'm honestly, I'm, I'm just ready now. I'm like, okay, let's let's get back to it. I'm with you. I wasn't so much until I sat down and started digging through highlights to put together the the intro. And now, <clears throat> excuse me, now every time I hear uh, um, Geica say Mertz, he's like Mertz, and then like the crowd goes nuts. Like I get chills. Like yes. it's just all right. Let's let's do this. Um, I, I realized as I was like looking through videos, I slowly started getting this collection of people watching. It was my kids. They were like trickling into my room and I didn't realize it, but they were all just looking over my shoulder, just honing in on the screen <laughs> and watching the highlights with me. So they're ready too. Um, but uh, yeah, season can't come soon enough. All right. 
I think that's it. Big thanks to Robbie Mertz for joining us. Um, love talking to him and, uh, you know, we're going to hold him to it. I think we're going to try to make him the fourth member who's always on the show with us every single <laughs> week. I don't think the hounds would allow, allow that to happen, no. but, uh, we'll definitely try to have him on again. Um, it was great talking to him. Thanks to everybody for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. If you want to support the show, head over to mongols.com. Click on Become a Supporter right after this. Like, literally, we won't stop recording. We're going to do an after show where we talk about all the crazy stuff that happened over the holidays, and we're going to put it up on Patreon so that everybody there can listen. You can go over. Join for $1, and you'll get all of the after shows that we've been producing, and we will continue producing basically throughout the season. It's a lot of fun, and we have a good time. So head to mongos.com, click on Become a Supporter. Otherwise, you know the drill. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast player, and uh, we appreciate all the support. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>